For March 31st, 2014, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 300. One of the finest moments of my adult life. Welcome to the Overthinking It podcast, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve, and have subjected it to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve these past 300 episodes. That's right. This is OTIP 300. Uh, It's amazing to me that we've done anything 300 times. I can't think of of another thing in my life. Are you counting bodily functions? (laughs) (laughs) Sleeping 300 times, you mean? Or, you know... Yeah, let's go with sleeping. Yeah. (laughs) I guess I guess I've done that for 300 times but but we have a uh we have a panel here to talk about 300 podcasts and and what we've been doing all this time. Uh we have some surprises and special guests uh on this podcast and uh so let's let's launch into it. Panel, your question tonight. We've been doing 300 overthinking it podcasts. They are on average about you know the over/unders probably what an hour 5. Uh, that's like 300 hours and change that we have spent podcasting. My question to you is this, if we hadn't been podcasting, what would you have done with 300 hours of your life? If you could get them back (laughs) over the last five years, just to put that in context, that's 12 and a half days uh, if you take a 24-hour day without without sleep, if you take a 16-hour day with sleep, that's like uh, uh, almost 19 days, right? So between um, two, you know, two to three weeks of your waking life that you could get back had you not been on the Overthinking It podcast uh, all this time. So what would you have done with that time? First in the alphabet, uh, a fitting podcaster, because he was, uh, he was with me, we were together on the first Overthinking It podcast, Salute Your Shorts, named after the uh, uh, Nickelodeon television show of my youth. It's Matthew Belinky. Uh, this is a, this is a tough question. The thing that immediately jumped out in my mind is um, I did a, a couple of years ago, I did a I Love You montage. For Valentine's Day, uh-huh. and, and in the process of that, I rewatched a Sweet November, which is one of those uh, beautiful young woman is dying tragically of cancer movies. Uh, this one, starring um, Keanu Reeves and Charlize Theron, is the is the the young lady in question. Um, and at one point, and, 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 and it's, it's it's one of those sort of like uh, it's it's the, the tragic inversion of the manic pixie dream girl, right? Where they're sort of like. A uh, guy who's just like nose to the grindstone, uh, working really hard, doesn't see what's important in life, is sort of like awakened to to what is really important by uh, his friendship with this with this beautiful and fragile and, and fleeting uh, young. Yeah, and of course, like love story shall always be the earl ex- the earl example of that. Um, anyway, there's a there's. So a, are you a, saying that like her her death is just so fortunate for him because he learns how to love again? I mean, you know, I, he wouldn't spin it that way, but it is sort of. I mean, it's certainly uh, made very clear that he is a better man for having known her. 
you know, so that like, yeah, I mean, I suppose if, if you are to sort of, I guess that, that is the, that is the very essence of a bittersweet ending, right? Which is that like, you're sort of sorry that it had to happen this way, but is for the best. Um, huh. and anyway, the, the, the reason, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm going to this roundabout, um, summary of the plot, uh, is that there is a scene where, where they, they befriend a sort of a orphan kid, or at least a fatherless kid who needs a father figure. And, uh, Charlize Theron, uh, goes to him and he's standing on one foot and she's like, why are you standing on one foot? And he's like, I'm training to beat the record for standing on one foot, which is 300 hours. Uh, do you want to time me? And she's like, no, thank you. So that's the first thing that's sprung to my mind is that I could have I could have beaten that record. Uh, although by by now that was two thousand and one, so who know? I don't even want to know what it could be now. But uh, I think my my real answer is going to be uh, think about all the other montages I could have made besides that. Um, and I in fact have thought of all the other montages I could be made uh, could have made. I actually have a list. So just to rattle um just to rattle off a few of the uh, of my montage ideas, I haven't gotten to execute because I've been too busy podcasting. Uh, montage of people getting fired and begging for their jobs back, or or, or telling off their boss in the, in the moment. Uh, montage of people telling other people that they have a choice, uh, that they don't have to destroy the world, that they can choose to be a good guy, which uh-huh. would be the would be the Pete Fenzel tribute montage because he was the one who pointed out. How ubiquitous that scene. And of course, I just saw it very recently in the Lego movie. It has a great one of those scenes where instead of defeating the, the bad guy, you simply tell him that he can choose not to do the evil plan that he's been planning all his life. And that works somehow. Uh, of course, the, the evil plan, uh, evil plan to take over the world montage, uh, a montage of spit takes, which I think would be great. I, somebody must have done it. But I would love to see a montage of just people just 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 getting surprised and like spitting their coffee or their water, whatever it is, just all over the place. So um, who who knows what what uh, pointless uh, uh, <laughs> Creative Commons? Uh, I guess not Creative Commons, but fair use uh, uh, montages I I could have uh, dropped out of YouTube by now. Matt, I was thinking of a um, people snapping out of mind control because of the power of love or other. Fun feelings. Oh, that like like I must kill Frank Drebin montage. Yeah, or also uh, Terminator Three: Rise of the Machines montage. Yeah, I mean, I, I really don't like that when somebody is supposed to be under the effect of mind control, and they just they just decide not to be. They're just they're just not they're not down with that, so they sort of like hesitate and sort of shake it off. Um, oh yeah, no, we're we're all with you on that, and unlike you know the um, forty inspirational speeches montage, which is uh, for. You know, which is which is supposed to uh, both celebrate and a little bit mock a little bit uh, those kind of speeches. Uh, this is all about uh, mocking those kind of moments. And I know I, I disagree with some of you about uh, TV tropes. I've heard some of you, and I don't want to start a, a war with the powerful TV tropes empire. Um, and, but there are some people on this podcast who sort of feel like it's it's maybe it's 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 taxidermy without uh, without analysis. But I, I I feel like there's a place for it, and I, I actually really enjoy um, I really enjoy sort of leafing through it. Although their examples are extremely heavy on the anime and less so on the movies that people have actually seen. 
Yeah, well, your your uh, montages are very often improvements on the original, uh, improvements on the source material. I'm I mean to say, you know, so like the the I was more moved by the I love you montage than I am by the I love you speech in in a lot of films. So I you know I think you've done something. You've actually added something to the sum total of of artistic expression rather than just mm-hmm. chopped it up and chopped it up and repurposed it. Yeah, and this is why I mean not, not to not to go off on a, on a Dennis Miller style rant here, but I I disagree with the the whole uh, concept of the supercuts because the, these have been fairly ubiquitous. This this word of supercuts have been fairly ubiquitous. Like watch a supercut of every time Dodd Draper takes a drink or lights a cigarette, and to me like what's what's the point? It's sort of like it shows that somebody took the time to do that, or like you know I've, it's a supercut of all the profanity in the Wolf of Wall Street, and I suppose. It could be amusing and they have their place, but it's like, like to what end did you do that? Um, you know, that like there was no effort to create something. There was no effort to even organize it in any way beyond chronologically. It was it's simply to me, it's sort of like the first step of an editing process. And they just never took it any further. Hmm. Yeah. In terms of shaping the material, you mean? Yeah, so so like you know, t- to me it's like I'm not really interested in watching a supercut of something because to me it's just a bunch of raw clips that that somebody gathered, and and is is unclear about like what to do with them or has no better purpose to put them to, besides to like present them in a neatly organized bin of clips. So uh, I've done some googling while we've been talking, and uh, according to the site wiki.answers.com, who held the record for the longest time standing on one foot, uh, for the longest duration, uh, Arulanantham Suresh Joachim, or Joachim, um, balanced on one foot for 76 hours and 40 minutes uh, in Sri Lanka on uh, May 22nd through 25th, 1997. So that's, that's uh, so the, the that's impressive. In November, just like straight up, radically inflated the number for comedic purposes, or or because because uh, they didn't know about Google in two thousand and one. Yeah, people know. Yeah, people knew about Google in two thousand. No, they, they, everyone was using Alta Vista or Lycos or uh, or yeah. something like that in two thousand one. They were using the Yahoo Index, not the Yahoo Search Engine, the Yahoo Index. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Right. Well, next in the alphabet, Peter Fenzel. Pete, you got 300 hours. What are you going to do with it? Uh, I, I thought I watched some TV, you know, because <laughs> like, that's probably the thing I've most given up with my Sunday nights is watching television. <laughs> so I decided to do a little math and try to figure out like what kind of TV I could have watched in all of that time period. And so I figured... I could have watched I recently like earlier last year I started watching Frasier again and I gave up after about two seasons it was a lot of fun Frasier's uh, great though isn't yeah Frasier's a great show it's just it's also it's just like you know not the kind of show that you can watch you know well how many episodes of there of it are there about 270 you know there's like 270 episodes of Frasier uh and uh it was 270 episodes of Cheers 264 episodes of Frasier so if wow. i watched all of those back to back with commercials i would come in at at under 300 hours <laughs> okay so there are two double episodes of Cheers and a triple episode of so three double episodes of Cheers and a triple episode of Cheers and then you can throw in the 13 episodes of uh the Tortellis the really ill-fated a spin-off featuring Carlos' husband that ran in 1987 you still don't have enough 
television, even with commercials, to watch it for 300 hours. Is, is there any way that a true detective could be a spinoff from Cheers? Uh, it's, I mean, it's possible. Well, I mean, time, time is a flat circle and everybody knows your name, but nobody reveals it at the end of the season. Um, so I decided that I would instead just watch One Piece. Uh, I don't know if you guys know One Piece. Actually, I looked up television shows. I actually like looked up television shows that have more than 300 hours worth of programming. And the one that really jumped to the forefront, which astounded me, is the pirate anime One Piece. Uh, have you guys ever watched this show? It's a pretty funny show. It's a decent show. Um, it's got 637 episodes. It continues to run. It's run from 1999 to the present and has been on, you know, 10 different global television stations. It's gone through three different uh, directors, two different major writers. Uh, there are 73 volumes of the manga now out there. Uh, now, to give you a hint, this is about three times as much Dragon Ball as Dragon Ball. This is, uh, this is a lot of anime. Um, and I actually, it makes it's me laugh. probably faster pace, too. It is. It, it is. It is. Uh, it is a sort of goofyish kind of show that has a very campy mentality. It's about a little kid who who wants to grow up to be the king of the pirates, and they go on like a pirate adventure around the world where there's all manner of crazy out of this world pirates. Um, so it came out like roughly contemporaneously with like the rise in pirate culture and the Pirates of the Caribbean movies and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I actually started watching that show at one point, and it blows my mind that if I had sat down and continued to watch it, I would have watched more television than Frasier, Cheers, and the Tortellis combined, <laughs> and slightly more programming than I've generated in all these years on the Overthinking It podcast. So I guess, I guess, uh, <laughs> I guess uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd go to the Grand Line is what I would do, and I would, I would sail the Grand Line and become King of the Pirates. I like uh, I like thinking that like when you stack up all of Cheers and you stack up all of Frasier, we win. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know Frasier would just be really he would be livid. He would be livid at that suggestion. Uh, Mark Lee next in the alphabet. Well, I had one answer that's pretty similar to Pete's, and it involves watching television. Um, but I have another one as well, since uh, we've already covered this territory. Um, so I would, uh, in 300 hours, I could have watched The Wire five times over. Because there, are, as far as I know, there are 60 episodes of The Wire. Um, and that would have been five times more than I've seen The Wire. I, yeah, I'm, no, I'm that guy who hasn't seen The Wire. I think we're going to talk more about The Wire when we get to our uh, list of uh, top ten overthinking it podcast moments. Uh, but uh, uh, spoiler yeah, alert! Um, yeah. Oh, oh, oh! You, 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 you play a dangerous game. Mentioning the word spoiler alert and also the wire. <laughs> that, that didn't make one of the one of the top pot, top. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> By the way, guys, there's 456 episodes of Law and Order, and someone on our website watched all of them. It's amazing. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> throw that in there. Go ahead. I, also, my wife right, watched a good portion. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. Also, it's why was that guy watching your wife? Oh, that's creepy. Wow. <laughs> that's okay. All right. Here's what I would actually do with 300 hours. I would have played uh, uh, more Wing Commander, or more generally. Uh, video games of the 90s, which I played as a teenager and uh, you know want to play again as an adult. Um, uh, as uh, I've mentioned several times in this podcast, I've kind of been reworking my way through the Wing Commander saga. Wing Commander's 1, 2, 3, Privateer, 4. Uh, You're talking like the Mark five. Hamill Wing Commanders. Uh, well, only, only 3 and 4 were, were Mark Hamill. I guess he was... Oh, he had a, my apologies. Um, get it right, Blinky. Gosh. 
Um, well, yeah, yeah, actually, the old school space simulator games from, from for the for the PC. It's like kind of a it's a dead genre of sorts, right? Like, um, I guess when um, uh, when everybody switched over to consoles, nobody wanted to get joysticks anymore, so nobody has a joystick to play a flight simulator game anymore, except this guy. Um, I, I'm, I'm pointing at myself. You can't see the thumbs, but I'm pointing at me. Um, yeah, I would have played a lot more Wing Commander and then like the free space games, uh, which are also in, in, in the space simulator genre. Um, you know, I would have gotten some enjoyment out of that, but, um, you know, it's not a social thing. And this thing, guys, we do together. That's important. So that's 300 hours well spent. And I'm glad that I did this with you rather than just playing Wing Commander like three times over. So thanks, guys. <laughs> Mark, I have to ask you, because if, if any man alive can, can answer this question affirmatively, it's you. Have you seen the Wing Commander movie? Oh, I haven't. I have not. I'm so ashamed to admit that. <laughs> I have not seen it. It's the one with starring Freddie Prince Jr. And it's apparently like really, really horrible. It's a right. Yeah. It, it, there's like me and Pete. Those are the, those are the two people. Who, uh, I saw that in the theater. Like, what are you talking about? God. And? Yeah. And? And? What do you mean, and? What do you mean, and? <laughs> What are you talking about, and? And what is your opinion of it, Pete? What is my opinion of it? Uh, a, a paladin uh, is, is an inadequately interpreted character. The movie is, is unnecessarily ethnocentric for reasons I don't entirely understand. Um, and there's some really cool uh, bullet time shots of Matthew Lillard falling off of a chair. So that's pretty much what to do with that movie. So... Yeah, it's not as bad as people think it is, but then again, people don't think of it very much. So, <laughs> yeah, it was actually one of these situations where I tried to I tried to sneak into Wing Commander <laughs> because I I had gone to see another movie that I'm like, oh, you know what I could do? I could just go. There's a showing of Wing Commander right after. So I, you know, I did. And I was I was very sneaky, and I I successfully stuck into Wing Commander. And I sat there, and after about 15 minutes of not seeing Wing Commander, I realized that what must have happened is they did not sell a single ticket. <laughs> wing commander, and therefore we're not going to show it. And so I well, was, I was foiled. I went with a friend's birthday party, and I was nineteen. I was eighteen years old when I went to go see Wing Commander, and uh, and there were and th- there were no other dudes in the theater other than me and my friends. It was all like fourteen and fifteen year old girls who went for the express purpose of seeing uh, Freddie Prince Jr. and Math- perhaps Matthew Lillard. I did not ask them whether Matthew Lillard factored into their calculus. But it was all, like, girl teeny boppers. And by all, I mean, like, 12 people. Uh, and, and we were the sole dudes, the, the four or five of us that went to go see it. So, Wow. Yep. Wow. That's excellent. I, I guess it's my turn, finally. When I Googled um, 300 hours, uh, most of the first couple uh, – most of the first uh, couple pages had to do with yoga certifications. Apparently, there's a like a 300 hour yoga instructor certification. So I suppose I could be a yoga instructor, uh, given the the 300 hours that that we've spent on the podcast collectively together. Um, but I I like to look at it. I'm a, a glass half full kind of person, so uh, I look at it as you know we've we've improved our podcasting a lot since that that first podcast. Uh, I think the podcasts now are generally more entertaining. We've learned how to talk with one another in an amusing way, pass the ball back and forth, what kinds of things make for good podcasts and what kinds don't, and that's an improvement. But it's not the 
10,000 hours uh, that Malcolm Gladwell says it takes to get good at something. So what I think of is, you know, in 300 hours, I could have gotten 3% of the way to being good at something, uh, like playing guitar or... Um, like Wing Commander. I, Playing Wing Commander, <laughs> or what, I mean, what you know, I don't know. What's another thing? Being uh, woodworking, Wing Commander, you know. Too. What? <laughs> well, on the bright side, Matt, are you not three percent of the way to being an excellent podcast host? Yes, exactly. We are like advanced beginners in uh, in podcasting. Our, no, but Malcolm our, Gladwell uh, says you have to be getting constant feedback in order for the ten thousand hours to actually be useful. We have comments on the show notes. There oh, are, should I read comments? the comments on the show notes, Matt? Because you yeah. were telling me I shouldn't read the comments on the show notes. <laughs> Too soon. Too soon. Okay. Let's, uh, um, so let's, let's dive in, guys. So I uh, reached out to – you know, I, I've always hated that phrase, and I'm sorry for saying it just now. And I'm sorry for sullying the 300th episode with the phrase uh, I reached out. What I did was I posted on Twitter <laughs> – I didn't, Wait, I didn't, what's wrong with saying I reached out? Come on, let's, let's let's pause this moment of reflection and uh, you know important thought about our great endeavor oh, that's gone on. Let's let's have some moment of grammar pedantry. What's wrong guys, with saying that I reached out? It's the it's the first rat hole of the three hundredth episode, guys. A little tear is coming to my eye right now. <laughs> I mean, I, I I feel like I feel what Matt because pro- saying that you reached out projects the existence of your physical body onto the existence of your virtual body. Right, it like imagines and it imagines a virtual self that exists mostly in like Microsoft Outlook or Gmail or other pro- productivity tools, right? And that it gives that it lends that thing a more human quality than I'm entirely comfortable with it having through metaphor. It also, um, I mean, it also like is used a lot by sort of. Uh, by sort of, you know, biz dev D-bags, right? Where, where, and, you know, I'm sorry if you're a biz dev D-bag or, you know, I don't know if you... No, I'm, you... I'm only 3% of the way there. I need more training. <laughs> <laughs> um, le- right, like, uh, in, and it has this, like, business development-y kind of, like... Uh, I don't know. It, it has this sort of connotation to it where I imagine a certain kind of person in business saying, um, uh, saying I, you know, I reached out instead of I emailed so-and-so, right? Or like, uh, you know, I don't know, I, I leveraged our social media for a, a, a net net gain and, and open the kimono, drill down, uh, you know, uh, uh, leveraging. I mean, it also it also analytics out. It also like flattens out the value, either intrinsic or extrinsic, of any interpersonal communication to the bare minimum. Because you can say I reached out, and it it might you might be allowing it to imply that you had like a four hour conversation with this person when really all you did was like send them an email five minutes before the meeting. And the idea is you say that to cover yourself, right? Like you say that like so. What's going on with that? It's like oh, I reached out. Right, you know, it's like that could mean it's you know some feelers. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, not even the feelers. Just like I reached out, I connected, you know, and we're 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 working on it. That could mean we've had hours of meetings, and it could mean that I just sent a single email. But the point is that you don't care. That's really what it is. Is that if you are okay with me saying that I reached out, then you don't really care about the quality of communication I have with this person. Right. Um, 
It's it's one of, it's one of those things where like it's every every instance of someone I uh, saying I reached out could be productively replaced with a more specific description of what actually transpired uh, in that interaction. And in this particular case, I posted a tweet on the Overthinking a Twitter feed, uh, inviting everyone who uh, has listened to, or I mean, there wasn't like a test, so everyone who I suppose claims to have listened to all 300 episodes of the overthinking a podcast um to email me at the email that no one ever emails podcast overthinking it.com and uh some people uh, got in touch with me and i invited them all to record uh, a, a short reminiscence on one of their favorite uh, moments of the overthinking it podcast and so what we're going to do to kick off this podcast is count down the uh, 10 best moments of the Overthinking It podcast. Countdown, um, countdown, countdown. I like, yes, it's good. Uh, the, you know, let's, let's get excited, everybody. <laughs> let's, you know. <laughs> I would have done an audio package with like, uh, you know, just like a music bed, you know, of like. We, maybe we can do it by beatboxing, you know. Um, in order to uh, in order to sort of make it more exciting and give the occasion a sense of moment and and uh, excitement Boxing is and give the moment a sense of moment. <laughs> Which moment? <laughs> like yeah, nineteen eighty seven. The moment, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so uh, so this is a a completely arbitrary sample because these are the people who happened to see my tweet, who happened to uh, uh, care enough to email me. Who happened to uh, have a little time to record uh, uh, reminiscence? So, in in no particular order, um, let's uh, dive in with the number ten listener reminiscence from the Overthinking It podcast. Hi, I'm Brian Lewis, aka Pasteur, aka at Dromedary on Twitter, from Xenia, Ohio, thirty nine degrees north, eighty four degrees west, and I've been listening since I think. Episode 57, Kids Today and Their Rainbow Parties. I think a really interesting thing about the podcast is the tradition of naming episode titles. Since episode 13 or so, the title is almost always a quote from within the show, and there are enough clever turns of phrase that typically there's a surplus of potential titles to choose from. For the listener, this gives us a kind of a reverse ghost ship moment. We're listening, you eventually finally find out the context for the episode's title. From the production end, though, it does say something telling. That the title is an enunciation of your accumulated pithiness, and not a concrete divider assigning, this is the topic of the day, implies that the merit of listening to the podcast, the good that you are selling, albeit for free, is the discussion between clever compatriots, and not really, say, a lecture on the topic or the topic itself. This is a good thing. It means episodes where we care less about the subject matter can be almost equally as captivating. Anyways, happy 300th show. Thank you. That's awfully kind uh, of you to say about the, uh, about the podcast. Um, I think it's extemporaneous bullshit, <laughs> a lot of it, <laughs> well, <laughs> what we do. But, but in a way, isn't that like jazz? I mean, <laughs> there are some top. There are some podcast topics where we find a quote that seems to elegantly express what we generally think about what happened during the course of the show, 
right? Like I liked, I really liked our, our episode two ninety eight very recently, a requirement for jerk, right. right? Which is both a joke about the Aaron Paul Need for Speed movie, and a joke about the second derivative of position, uh, the third derivative of position, the second derivative of velocity, which we talked about on the show being yep. jerk, and a require and talking about only God can judge me and and judgment parties and all that other nonsense. Like it all and jerk and the and the and the politically the politically fraught issue of jerk shaming. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it all kind of came together. I mean, I also thought that skinny guy, skinny guy, fat guy, fat guy, when we talked about sports, <laughs> is kind of evocative of our experience. Wait, were you talking about the ice hockey Nintendo game? Or? Yes, yes. Yeah. All right, I was trying to think of what other context that could have been in, and it'd be appropriate. I think that's pretty much the only one. I'm, like, looking back through all of these. I'm like, there's got to be some better ones. There's got to be some ones that aren't just, like... A challenge. Although I do always, I do like setting up that mental game where people discover. I imagine that they're like, "Oh, there, there's where the uh, that's what the podcast is called." I have a question for you guys. How did we come upon this practice? Did we essentially borrow it from another podcast, or was just a brilliant idea of our own making? Yes, we did. Um, it was. I, I think I I sort of started uh, encouraging us to go in this direction, and I did it because. Uh, some of the twit podcasts um, on Leo Laporte's twit uh, technology podcast network, uh, which was one of the, he was one of the real pioneers of podcasting and uh, also a pioneer in making podcasting and a podcast network, a viable business, something that we still have not managed to do. So he is our better in, in, in several respects, including that one. He's been um, doing the 10,000 hours. <laughs> yeah, well, re- yeah, really. Uh, uh, he he uh, used to do that, or or the crew used to do that on the Mac Break Weekly podcast, which I I used to listen to um, uh, a while back. Uh, now I don't listen to a lot of technology podcasts; they just make me angry a lot of the time. Um, but uh, yeah, absolutely, it was it was from it was from that uh, where we got the where we got the where I got the inspiration to do that practice. You, you know what podcast title I really like. I'm looking back through them in the order, and I like the one from February 4th, 2013, episode 240, which is when we talked about Beyonce's, Beyonce's halftime Super Bowl ad and also uh, Super Bowl show and also all the advertisements from the Super Bowl that year, and it's called The Amateurs Will Be Out. And do you remember like right. what the phrase The Amateurs Will Be Out was from? Because I do, and it was awesome. It was a, some yeah. Someone tweeted to like be careful uh, out on a public holiday, right? Yeah. It wasn't just someone. Jonathan Frakes had tweeted during the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Commander William Riker had tweeted at near the end of the Super Bowl to be careful whilst driving because the amateurs, aka people who drink and drive, will be out on the streets and will hit you with their cars, or perhaps people who drink and drive like you know and like go do it often enough to know how to do it <laughs> right exactly. that's the that's what i thought i think it's kind of it's kind of cute that it's the when on you know the occasion of the super bowl which is when every amateur culture commentator in the world comes out and like bombards every media outlet with all they have to say about everything um all right let's not get too yeah let's not get too self-reflective about the thing you just said pete let's just go on (laughs) uh, to the next uh to the next clip overthinkers it's Amanda from Las Vegas, Nevada, formerly Brazil. Latitude 36 degrees, 14 minutes and 50 seconds north. Longitude 115 degrees, 9 minutes and 8 seconds west. And I've been listening since 2009. 
Some of my favorite moments from the Overthinking It podcast have come from episodes about things I've never watched, like the S.H.I.E.L.D. finale, Ghost Rider's Spirit of Vengeance, or Matt's 7th grade teacher pointing out the homoeroticism of Top Gun. Yeah! I'd have to say that listening to the Overthinking It podcast is like stepping into Abed's dreamatorium. Your podcasts make the interesting parts of any subject visible to me. Thanks for all the great times, and congratulations on 300 episodes, guys. Also, TFT forever. That's what I like to hear, TFT forever, you know? <laughs> hey, you know, it's, it's actually, it's interesting. Uh, for the next couple days, Overthinking a Podcast 300 and TFT Podcast 100 are going to be side-by-side on the homepage of Overthinking It. That's pretty exciting for me. Numbers. Yeah. All right. It's like a solar yeah. eclipse or something. And that podcast is great. I love that podcast. And if you have never listened to it, you should give it a shot. I love the Springsteen podcast you guys did. Some of the music you guys talk about, I, I'm not as interested in. I don't know about. I need to listen to it or whatever. But um, it's a pretty sweet podcast. Yeah. The Born to well, Run thank one you. Is, is an excellent ent- entry point because yeah. everybody's listening to Born to Run. And if you haven't, well, a, a pox be upon your family. And, and whilst <laughs> it is one of my favorite episodes of the show, the Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance episode of the Overthinking It podcast mm-hmm. is not a great entrance point to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> because it will convince you, it will convince you that you should watch Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, which I have been told on several occasions people did because of me, and they're sad and mad that it did not turn out to be as good. I just, I love that podcast because my voice, I remember my voice being so sore, and that was when and I coined uh, Yogi Honey Lemon Throat Comfort Tea, the official tea of Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, because it was the only way I could keep talking to, to voice my just effusive praise for Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, <laughs> um, which no one wanted to hear and nobody cared about. But uh, it was a heroic act of, of uh, physical endurance. Yeah, that reminds me of a couple of things. One is your amazing description, Pete, of uh, the scene in Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance where the Ghost Rider... Um, exuding the spirit of vengeance, pees fire. Oh, right, that happened. Like yes. you described that in incredible detail to the point where I just, you know, it was it was just real in my mind. It was so present. Um, and the other thing it reminds me of is uh, the idea of sponsors for the overthinking a podcast. Right? If only we could get that lucrative Yogi Tea sponsorship, so that they could pay us to talk about you know Ghost Rider and and the random crap that we talk about. Um, okay, so I'm, well, I'm working on it. I'm wor- I'm working on it. Like I'm I'm working on the prospect of making the podcast just a little bit worse by putting advertisements <laughs> on it <laughs> in order I- to to compensate us for for our time, right? Like cuz like w- you know, another thing we could have done with 300 hours of our lives is work for a wage, right? <laughs> and buy a car with that, you know? You can't buy or or $1500. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no comment. The, the um, you know, and the uh, well, I, I mean, you can buy a, a crappy car for fifteen hundred dollars. Free tag. I guess we're assuming we're not paying any taxes on this. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, right. Like, uh, the, the volunteer, uh, the kind of volunteer aspect and especially like volunteering is fine. Like we get a lot out of doing the podcast. It's fun for us and it's fun to talk to the audience and it's, it's very gratifying in a way to be able to share, uh, uh to, to share overthinking and overthinking it with, um, uh, a global audience, right? Like we definitely get a lot of, uh, out of that, but, but um, 
As a, uh, as a friend uh, of mine once said, you know, uh, in, in a paid choir, um, I don't pay you to sing. I pay you to show up on time, right? You, you sing for free because you like to sing and you're a musician. Uh, you, uh, you show up because you get paid, right? Like showing up uh, week after week for volunteers is, is an amazing feat. And so I'm, I'm very grateful to all of you, my, my good friends, um, for your incredible generosity of spirit. Okay, before this gets more mushy, let's go on to the next. Uh, let's go on to the next clip. Hello, overthinking it. This is Joseph Wade from Greensboro, North Carolina. Thirty-six degrees two minutes north, seventy-nine degrees nine minutes west, and I've been listening to the show since about two thousand and nine. When Matt asked us to send in our favorite moments from the podcast, the first one that came to mind came from one of my very first episodes. In number seventy-six, Fenzel answered the question of the week. From the passenger seat of a moving vehicle while calling into the show on his cell phone. And without missing a single beat, he kept interrupting his own answer to give the driver specific directions on how to get back to his apartment. For whatever reason, that moment always kind of stuck with me. I think because it's a perfect reminder that the world does not stand still so that we might podcast about it. Sometimes recording a podcast just means calling in from the backseat of a Honda Civic. Like anything else, there's an element of performance to it that lends the show a level of verisimilitude, even though I kind of doubt anyone would mistake overthinking it for terrestrial radio. One lesson I'm starting to learn in my own podcasting adventure is that anything can and does happen after hitting the record button. But life finds a way, and so do podcasts. <laughs> so cheers to you, overthinking it, and here's to 300 more episodes. That wasn't verisimilitude. I was actually in that car. <laughs> <laughs> you, you were pretending to be in that car. That wasn't, wasn't, that wasn't an elaborate to, ruse. I wasn't like, like centering myself in order to pretend to be in the car in as realistic a manner possible. I was in that car. No, I... I, I <laughs> There was a, yeah, that wasn't that. like wow. the In Medias Race uh, episode where we, you know, came up with the concept before we did it. Oh, oh man, that was glorious. I remember, I don't remember who was driving that car, but I remember, <laughs> I remember being in that car. I don't even think it was a cab. Maybe it was a cab. I don't even know. Jeez. The, the podcast, I mean, like, you know, the details of life fall yeah. away, but the podcast remains yeah. the same. I mean, I've, I've podcasted from the banks of the Hudson River. I've podcasted from a rest stop on the Merritt Parkway, from the passenger seat of a rented uh, Impala. I've podcasted – it was the time I tried to buy uh, hands-free Bluetooth from a Radio Shack so that I could podcast from my mom's house. But then it didn't work anyway, and, I, and, and, I, and I, we had to do it a different day or something like that. Oh, you man. live a peripatetic life, Pete. You, you well, are much in demand by this podcast and by everyone. Sundays are big travel days, guys. It's been tough. <laughs> I mean have you guys ever – what's the most unlikely place you've ever podcasted from? Or am I the only one who does the like podcasting whilst moving thing? Yeah, I think yeah. I, I, Although I remember there was this time where Matt and McNeil podcasted in from an airport uh, from airport terminal, right? Mm-hmm. Did yeah, we? I, that. I don't even remember that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that happened. Like you two were together yeah. for something. And I just I just whipped out the the digital audio recorder in the middle of an airport. No, no, you guys like podcasting in or something. Like I, I, I might be making this up, but oh um, no, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We were both on our phones. Yes, now I remember what you're talking about. We were both on our phones. We were traveling together for some reason, and we skyped in from a. Uh, or, or I think maybe we were catching different flights from the same airport, and we skyped in from uh, from maybe JFK or something like that. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
Yeah. yeah that's, I mean, this is the, this is the thing. Like the amazing thing is not that we can sit around and bullshit for 300 hours. The amazing thing is that we can do it on a schedule. um all right well uh next clip hi my name is gab in lafayette indiana coordinates 40.42 by negative 80.88 i've been listening since well the beginning i don't have a favorite moment per se but i enjoy the podcast the most when the regulars geek out over something in the middle of their long rants filled with intellectual jargon it's a reminder that however pseudo ivory tower the conversations get at the end of the day, or, well, the podcast, y'all are just a group of friends shooting the, um, breeze and talking about stuff you enjoy. Congrats, and here's for hoping 300 more. Thank you very much, Gab. And I should say that Gab deserves a, a, a certain amount of pride of place among overthinking mm. and commenters. Gab needs, like, the because... Nintendo Power 100-issue pin. <laughs> <laughs> the 300, uh, yeah, the 300-issue, the 300-podcast pin. I don't even yeah. know, I don't even know what we would, what we would do for that. I've been kicking around some overthinking at merchandise ideas, though, uh, better than the, you know, the sort of print-on-demand t-shirts kind of stuff um, that, that we've done before. So, you know, there might be some sort of limited edition overthinking at merchandise uh, coming soon that would um, benefit overthinking it, the, the profits from which would benefit overthinking it. But, uh, yes, absolutely. G- uh, Gap has been been with us from near the the absolute beginning and, and maybe deserves the, the title Dean of Overthinking at Commenters. Hmm. Yeah, like what? What is? Is there a title that comes from kind of lasting the longest? It's like I feel. It's I feel like if this were like, I don't know. I'm like. It's like if it were like a werewolf sept, there would be like a gray streak down her fur, not out of age, but out of respect and like battles fought and like the other young like werewolf pups would show up and she'd be like, "No, you weren't there back in the day when we were talking about the Rambo reboot, right? Like I was there." Um, yeah, I, I'm really you know like a lot of nonsense right now, but it's just like how do you thank how do you thank someone that you you know that you never met and and has been there like, uh, like yeah like Nymeria um, the yes. the warrior queen of the uh, uh, who of Valyria or something like that no she was of the Roinar right wasn't Nymeria oh really Roinar who who invaded huh. if she wasn't in Roinar then she displaced the Roinar she was in Dorne she came across the the narrow sea to Dorne. Um, and that's why Nymeria is sometimes used in Dornish names too. That's just all Game of Thrones stuff, people, and you'll find out about it in like season a million. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm comfortable with with Gab being the Nymeria of overthinking it. I'm Excellent. Well, yeah, you have a uh, you have a title now, and uh, <laughs> thank you thank you for that comment. I've we, you know we've sort of articulated to one another over the years our mission in overthinking it, trying to focus on what we want to do and what we do well and stuff like that. And one of the ones that's been most resonant with me and uh, with a lot of us, I think, is the idea of sort of expanding out from our circle of friends, expanding out a circle of friends who are into uh, some of the stuff that that we're into. And and who are who sort of want to live and want to relate to culture uh, in in a certain way. So if if uh, overthinking it has its genesis in a, in a group of friends who are all college friends, um, 
I like to think that our, our group of friends has expanded globally, you know, and that's a really, you know, it's a really neat thing. It was an awesome thing to go to London and, uh, have an overthinking at meetup and, and see, you know, people, uh, from, uh, from England or who were living in England or actually who happened to be traveling in England at the time, um, come out, uh, and get a pint together. It was, uh, it was wonderful, um, that, that the community is expanding out like that and not to, you know, not to be too sentimental about it, but um, it's uh, it's it's an accomplishment I'm proud of that uh, we've expanded uh, the thing. Uh, uh, what is exciting about our circle of friends out into uh, out into the world? No, awesome. no one wants to follow that. Yeah, I just want, also want to cl- congratulate us for recolonizing, reverse colonizing England. With our cultural export. So, yay us yeah. for that. America! Nice. Absolutely. Yeah, they're going to have a, a revolutionary podcast war, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> the overthinkers are coming. The overthinkers are coming. Uh, moving on. Hi, everybody. My name is Marxian Differenti, or Mesdef from the comments. I'm at 33 degrees, 52 minutes, 29 seconds south, 151 degrees, 13 minutes, 20 seconds east. Google Maps tell you that's Sydney. I've been in a list of a listener since approximately April 2012. As for a favorite moment, I'll go ahead and say that when Pete used a habian as an adjective, I was reading Moby Dick at the time, and that gave me a really nice, warm, fuzzy feeling. Definitely the podcast for me. As far as overthinking goes, it's always struck me that there's been something of a wire-shaped hole at the center of overthinking it. It's been covered in a few articles and never really discussed at a great length over a whole podcast. Just talked about it in a hushed tones and referenced. You said previously it's easier to tackle blockbusters with the OTR mindset than uh, something like The Wire, which has been covered ad nauseum elsewhere. I also suspect you'll probably have a few late-night alcohol-fueled discussions about it in your own time, which leads me to ask a question of the staffers, if I'm allowed one. Much as Bloom wrote of the Western canon, what would uh, you, the staffers, include in the overthinking it canon? Lastly, uh, let me just say thanks for 300 great podcasts, and I hope you have as much fun making them as I do listening to them. Uh, again, again, very, very kind. Um, do you think there's a the wire shaped hole in our podcast? No. <laughs> <laughs> is it like um, we, it, our podcast would be better if we talked about the wire more than we already do, which is like a fair amount, but only or that expecting like, or. Or more that a specter is haunting our is haunting our podcast. You know the specter of the wire. Um, but if we talk because about we've the never... wire, it would just be the specter of post-industrial Baltimore replacing the specter of the wire. <laughs> the wire specter is all the way down, man. Not <laughs> <laughs> the real Ghostbusters with specters all the way down. <laughs> well, I love that question of it overthinking a cannon. That's like a really that's yeah. a really cool question. Yeah, like we, okay, let's uh, let's go about this, right? Like, yeah. oh, Matt, go ahead. What were you saying? And and if we did it, uh, we would do it um, probably as a paid product on overthinking it, where we would do a uh, we would do a kind of seminar uh, and talk about certain works in in the overthinking a canon. But you know what? Let's do this. Let's let's question of the week style really quickly. Go around the horn and talk about uh, what is one work that you would put in um, in the overthinking it canon. Uh, yeah, uh, Blinky, you got one. Yeah, I mean the the first movie that that comes to my mind is uh, They Live, uh, the great uh, John Carpenter nineteen eighties movie, uh, which is amazingly uh, prescient. Uh, and and it's it's because here's the thing, like I feel like in a great overthinking movie is a movie where it's it's possible and and maybe now that i say it out loud it's 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 because the 
the meaning seems so obvious, but a movie that it would be possible to watch it and completely miss the fact that there's real depth under the surface and there's real there's real thought that goes on under the under the popcorn thrills and they live it, it seems like this sort of like uh, cheeseball sort of sci-fi B action movie. Um, but really, it has. I think it has a lot to say about this sort of like uh, class resentment and the inequality that's sort of built into our society, and and maybe the way that like uh, pop culture sort of reinforces this. And I, I I think it's very interesting that at the end, the Titanic struggle for the future of humanity rests on whether the the TV station, the signal from the TV station, can be destroyed, cutting off the TV broadcast to the populace and allowing them to like see the world as it really is for the first time and it's one of those things where like you might miss it in the fun of watching Roddy Roddy Piper try to get Keith David to put out the glasses but there's a there's there's it works it works on both levels and so I feel like that's prime overthinking uh grade a beef right there Pete Fenzel, inventor of the term Ahabian, uh, you get one one work of pop culture uh to put into the overthinking a canon what's it gonna be it's gonna be uh Stargate and the reason it's going to be Stargate is because of the mystique of ancient Egypt, which permeates the movie, <laughs> and all the things about ancient Egypt that Stargate tells us, like that it was not actually invaded by aliens. No, the real reason, the real reason that Stargate's going to be the overthinking of canon is that you can't have a serious conversation about Independence Day without also having an understanding of Stargate, and because most of the scenes in Independence Day are scenes from Stargate with different characters in them. So so you should go back and watch Stargate. No, and you should see how the how the the things that the different the same sorts of sequences, even the same sorts of shot compositions, are used to evoke very different sorts of geopolitical entities, such as Egyptian aliens versus American aliens, and what that means about our civilization and our sense of self and our sense of the other. So yeah, I, I say I say it's Stargate. I think Stargate has to be canonical, but it's sort of like it's sort of like um, like Marlowe canonical in the sense that you have to get aware of it when you get too close to Shakespeare. Sure. So, uh, so there you go. Oh, I also, thought, excellent. I thought I thought you meant like Raymond Chandler's Philip Marlowe, and I'm like, yeah, he is the classic Private Eye, which you have to know if you're going to talk about hard boiled detective fiction. That's very true. <laughs> yeah, Marlowe is the Marlowe of Marlowe. <laughs> down, down these mean streets, a man must walk who is not himself mean, who is neither tarnished nor afraid. Mark Lee, you are neither tarnished nor afraid. What's your contribution to the Western canon, to the overthinking it canon? Just one. I mean, it's, it's going to be tough. I mean, like, we, we could, I could rattle off a bunch of things that I, I don't want to go unmentioned, like, the, particularly the movie Starship Troopers, which is a, a foundational text of overthinking, and I believe. Uh, but we sort of already talked about B grade sci fi science fiction movies, but uh, that. Uh, whose um, sort of uh, schlockiness uh, belies an incredible depth. Um, but uh, I'm going to go with the Justin Bieber song, Baby, uh, which I was briefly obsessed with to the point nice. where I recorded three different covers of. Um, and, and I'm convinced it, it's a couple of different things. It's uh, just an incredible piece of pop music, a, a pop music composition uh, in terms of its catchiness, uh, but also just like says a lot about, uh, about youth, about race. I mean, like, you know, the ludicrous rap and also the very multiracial music video that it has in it as well. Um, There's just a lot going on in that song. And that's sort of when you hold up uh, one of the extreme examples of what overthinking it does, right? It takes uh, pop culture that others dismiss as totally throwaway and without any uh, particular significance of any sort. Um, And, you know, what is it we do? But we, we, we find that significance, not because 
we're just trying to be clever for the sake of being clever. I mean, it's, there is certainly an aspect of that going on, but also because you know, it, it, uh, you know, we say the pop culture doesn't deserve the scrutiny, but actually, it kind of does. It really does, especially something like Justin Bieber's "Baby," which has been heard, uh, uh, you know, hundreds of millions, if not a billion times over. Right? If that's not deserving of scrutiny, I don't know what is. Uh, and finally, me, my choice, drink, because it is the unsurpassed and unsurpassable greatest work of literature in any language ever, John Milton's Robo Paradise God. Lost. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, John that's ye, ye, ye Tragical History of RoboCop by Pete Fenzel, <laughs> of which yeah, we've yeah. had some dramatic readings on the Overthinking a Podcast. Um, no, and I have, a reason, I have a reason for that. One of the patterns of overthinking it is that we point out when things are like other things, or when, when uh, works of culture can Contemporary works of culture are um, reworkings of older, more established patterns uh, with a difference that is interesting uh, or illuminating uh, when highlighted. And one of the first, uh, not one of the first, one of the canonical for our culture instances of this is Paradise Lost, which is a retelling of the story of the fall of man uh, with particular concerns and particular concerns both uh, in terms of um, religion discourse about the uh, religious significance of the fall of man and original sin and, uh, you know, the relations between men and women and all kinds of things. Um, and also uh, particular poetic concerns. And so uh, it's, it provides kind of a pattern for what we do on, uh, on overthinking it a lot, uh, which is try to sort of try to, um, look at something on two levels at once or look at, look at an adaptation and, uh, a source material, uh, together at the same time. So paradise lost. Um, we should, we should see Noah. We should see Noah, Matt, and we should talk about paradise lost and Noah. Cause I bet paradise lost and Noah have a ton in common. Um, uh, I, I, Okay, Pete, it's a date. You and me. <laughs> maybe we do a special and, uh, supplemental so we don't force everyone else to listen. To it. <laughs> maybe maybe we put it in a, in a in a in a cobalt nickel case and only let them play it at museums like the new Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> uh, moving along. Hello, this is Sean Nixon residing at forty four degrees twenty eight minutes north latitude, seventy three degrees twelve minutes west longitude. And I've been listening to the Overthinking It podcast since the Mint Milano era, back when the number was still 20 Eat Log 01. I was re-listening to some of the earlier podcasts and ran across the hazing questions used to initiate John Parrish. And so, I'm going to spend my minute answering them myself. The first album I ever bought myself was Weird Al's Greatest Hits, Volume 2. The TV show I most mourned the passing of was Pushing Daisies. I was the greatest at the video game Little Nemo, the Dream Master. The movie I'll always watch on TV is Casablanca. And finally, one for you. John said he'd give up all future creative works of Josh Whedon for one more episode of The Wire. Now in hindsight, would you rather have the Avengers movies or The Wire episode? 872-872. Excellent. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I come down, I mean, John's not here to answer and I won't put words in his mouth, but I actually come down with, with John. I, for one more season of the wire, I would, I would give up the Avengers. How do you guys feel about that? He said for one more episode, right? Oh, what did he say for one more episode? Ooh, that's tough. That's tough. 
I, I mean, I'm, at the time, like Joss Whedon was making Dollhouse and stuff, so I, I understand what would lead him. I understand the like the the jilted heart that would lead him to say something like that. Mm-mm-mm. I mean, the much ado about nothing. I, th- I would I would give up the much ado about nothing. The Avengers movie is pretty good, and the Wire was kind of done. Right, like I guess you would have to say it would have to be a good episode of The Wire. And by the way, uh, having a couple drinks and then while a little bit tipsy, asking John Parrish to join Overthinking It was one of the smartest things I ever did. He's awesome, and I'm really glad. I'm sad he's not here, but he's he's been an awesome addition to the crew, and uh, it's been awesome to have him on the on the show and and with the, the website all these years. So like um, like, so, like so many of us, uh, he's falling to matrimony or child rearing or you know. He's got matrimony things. now. He's not he's not doing child rearing, but there's no no. I mean. I mean, I mean, these are these are these are things that my friends do instead of podcasting with me all the time. <laughs> what would you do with three hundred hours? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> not to. I mean, not to get all saving Silverman on you, but uh, by the know. way, Little Nemo, the Dream Master, is awesome. <laughs> that guy, that's, that's a great game, and uh, one of the one of the one of the great underrated NES classics, and something that uh, is praiseworthy. I actually referenced it uh, today when I accidentally I was talking about Finding Nemo. Um, and because my girlfriend wants me to watch it because I've never seen it. And I said, called it Little Nemo by accident and thought of that video game. So there you go. It's still in there, kicking around somewhere. Mm. Nice. I don't know. Uh, more, more of the wire. Remember when we had those questions for, uh, we didn't do it to Ben Adams or to, or to Richard um, when, they came, uh, when they came on board. Maybe we got to get those guys on the podcast and, and put them through the ringer. Do you think they've already established too much of a sense of self to be susceptible to hazing, or do you think we can still create some sort of enabling codependency kind of thing, which is what we're seeing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. The point of the point of hazing is that it's a, it it bonds us together, doesn't it? I don't know. It's a, because we've all we've all endured it. We've all been put on the spot and asked been asked about our favorite uh, our favorite pop culture, which is a terrifying a terrifying thing to have to talk about things you like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, all right. Our, uh, our, um, uh, you know, I haven't been counting. Oh, I meant to count that. That was, this is a <laughs> countdown, countdown, didn't count, didn't count. Ring down. All right. So we're going to have to do the whole hour of this podcast over again and add in, add in a, uh, add in a count. No, that was, um, numbers 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, and 5. Here is, uh, here is greatest overthinking at moment number four. I'm Andrew Bonaponte from Emmitsburg, Maryland. 39 degrees, 40 minutes, 0.1392 seconds north. 77 degrees, 21 seconds, 9.1722 seconds west. And I've been listening since spring 2012. One of my favorite episodes is uh, episode 259 titled Man of Steel and Jor-El Shall Restore Amends. And an hour and 20 minutes into the episode discussing how the new Superman movie reflects Aristotle's theory of drama... Rather, and Fenzel engage in improving the chorus of steel girders, where the girders being lifted by Superman cry out in anguish, Lo, we, the steel girders who have seen the goings and the comings of the roughnecks, now feel the pressure of Superman's hands, and so on and so forth. And I won't still spoil the rest of it, so you can go back and listen to the episode. Thanks, guys. Wow, I remember that. Uh, I remember that Superman improv. Pete, do you remember? Do you remember doing that? Of course, it's one of the finest moments of my adult life. 
yeah, far better than anything that actually happened in Man of Steel. I think in terms of enjoying it. No, I remember it. I actually remember being really surprised that it caught on so well, that everybody liked it so much. Not because I didn't think it was good, but because I think I do a lot of things that are awesome, and a lot of them just whiff. You know, like the comment last week about the hipsters jumping off a bridge, right? We got like two likes on that one, two retweets. I thought that was gold. I thought that was like primetime quality. But no, I do remember doing the Superman, the talking girders, the Greek chorus of girders. I mean, I given, that, given that we usually get zero retweets on, on particular things we say on the podcast, two retweets is like infinitely more than the zero that we normally yeah, get. I feel entitled to the infinite retweets. I have not yet adjusted my expectations. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it's like the book that David Foster Wallace would have written <laughs> Infinite Retweets. Yes. <laughs> he would, he would have loved Twitter. Camp. What's up? I, I think he would have had a lot to say. About I don't know. I think he would have called it a, like a supposedly fun thing I'll never do again. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like hashtag a supposedly fun thing. We should we should start like hashtags that are like longer than 140 characters in honor of David Foster Wallace. <laughs> Infinite hashtag. <laughs> um so uh guys, I have a surprise for you to count down the last three in our top ten moments of the overthinking it. Um <laughs> there's there's someone on this call. Who is not, uh, who is a guest. There's a surprise guest on this call that you don't know about. Is it Harvey Fierstein? <laughs> Hi, guys. Any oh member God. of the Wu-Tang Clan at all? <laughs> Still no. <laughs> no. Not even you, God, has come on the podcast. <laughs> it, um... No, it is uh, actually the uh, the listener, the 300 Club member who gave us that last segment. It is uh, Andrew Bonapane. Andrew, welcome to the Overthinking It podcast. Uh, thank you. And I, I would accept a bag of Mint Milano's anyway, but I know that's, that's, privileged, uh, that's privileged merch. Don't push your luck, buddy. You're no <laughs> and, and if you join the Wu-Tang Clan, then we will retroactively give you Mint Milano's. How's oh, that? There's a plan. <laughs> Yeah, I can I can work with that. <laughs> so um, I, let me explain how this how this came to be. Uh, the genesis of this idea to do a top 10 was actually an email that Andrew sent to us to uh, the email that no one ever emails. Finally got some email podcast at overthinking it dot com and uh, sent you sent in honor of um, the 300th episode, a sort of personal annotation of highlights through listening back through the whole uh, the whole catalog from episode number one with uh, with me and Matt, about which I think you said if you are still listening to this 40 minutes into it, you are a true fan because you're doing it for the sake of completeness and not enjoyment uh, through, uh, through the present day. That, that was incredible uh, to get that. And it gave me the idea to do this uh, top 10 countdown. So thank you for sending it. And thank you for the idea. Oh, my pleasure. Yes. I will gladly be the chump to email the email that nobody ever emailed. Any day now, now yes, now a couple people have emailed it out of pity because they pity. <laughs> hey, look, there's a lot of room between Wu Tang Clan and Chump, man. Don't sell yourself short. Like <laughs> you're a hero, you're a good guy. We like you. You know, it's all good. It's all good. I'll, you're I'll you're a pioneer. A diagram between Chumps and Wu Tang Clan members. <laughs> Not everybody can be a chess boxer. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh right. It's was what was episode thir- was episode thirteen called uh, between platform nine and three quarters and. Mar- 
Martin Luther King Boulevard. Maybe we'll call this episode Between Chump and Wu-Tang Clan uh, member. But so, uh, Andrew, you're here to count down the the final three in our top ten with us. So uh, why don't we why don't we launch into it? What is your uh, what is your third from the end? I think we're counting backwards. So what is your number three uh, moment of overthinking it podcast uh, to highlight to celebrate the three hundredth? I am. I, I like how you're doing this. You're doing like a Casey Kasem countdown. Uh, connecting with uh, the old old world podcast. So, okay, number three will be uh, from episode two hundred and eighty five. You're the man now, Smog. <laughs> Smog. Uh, the discussion. Oh, that's right, Smog. Um, the discussion of Peter O'Toole, the late Peter O'Toole, and uh, Peach's description of his voice as a crystalline sambuca of devilish smarmy joy. Uh, that is among the most apt descriptions of anything I've ever heard in my life. Oh, so yeah. That is definitely right up there. How that was you... specifically about Peter O'Toole's performance in the, in, uh, in the Tudors, right? As, like, as the <laughs> He's like evil Pope Occident or something. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's fantastic. Peter O'Toole, peace be upon him. Uh, great actor, actor, actor who worked. Um, <laughs> excellent. So Andrew, what's number two? All right. Coming in at number two <laughs> is, uh, from episode. I like that you're providing a lot more drama to this than, <laughs> than we are <laughs> really coming in. All right, Andrew, drum roll, please. What is number two coming in at number two? Nice. Episode 63. Um, Osama bin Laden loves Taylor Swift. (laughs) And it is, in fact, the line, Osama bin Laden loves Taylor Swift. Because I checked again on Google today, and that when you type in Osama bin Laden loves Taylor Swift, the Overthinking Podcast is still the first hit. Awesome. That was was the reason we put that line in that podcast, right? Is so what, that it would be the hit on Google for it. We, we were hoping for a Google whack, but we don't. We don't have a like a Google whack anymore. Isn't a Google whack where there's one, uh, where there's one result? Ooh, I never heard of that term before. Is that like a number wang? Yeah, the the <laughs> <laughs> forty three <laughs> number. <laughs> um, guys, guys, so I, I typed into Google uh, Osama bin Laden loves to see what the autocomplete would come up with. And much to my surprise, uh, Whitney Houston's name came up. Osama bin Laden, apparently, uh, according to the Daily Mail in the UK, uh, Osama bin Laden had stoned fantasies about marrying Whitney Houston and murdering Bobby Brown. Uh-huh. So, yeah, so oh. so that happened. Apparently, ter- uh, Osama so bin Laden did not... After all. <laughs> uh, and now... The number one moment in podcast history of this podcast or any podcast ever. Andrew, the envelope, please. Yeah, you said that one already. It was uh, from episode one uh, when uh, you said uh, if anybody was listening after 40 minutes, it would be considered a success. Oh, oh, I stole your number one moment. I'm sorry. I really stomped it. 
We're just going to have to try it again in another 100 episodes. So episode episode number one, if you recall, called Salute Your Shorts. Um, the, the, uh, the idea was that Belinky and I were talking through the plots of the Oscar-nominated short films. Well, we were talking about the Oscar-nominated short films uh, from whatever year that was, uh, 2028, 2009, something like that. And... Um, we we talked through them all in excruciating detail the the plots for for every short film even by our standards this is excruciatingly de- detailed by overthinking it standards of excruciatingness yes we, but who by the way i think if you add up all of our recaps of breaking bad they were more minutes than the entire season <laughs> of breaking bad <laughs> yeah as we're as we're doing recaps of community uh at the moment, that's our standard. If we go more than the 22 minutes that it takes to watch an episode of Community, we consider the recap a success. Excellent. Yep. Uh, now, I'm not saying that because the best moment of the 300 episodes came in the first episode that it was all downhill after that. But I think it was notable because, uh, you know, you sort of thought there was a very shallow pool to wade in for the podcast, kind of the way that. The popular culture you guys talk about is a very shallow pool that probably doesn't deserve deserve much scrutiny. But like it turns out, you know, most of the popular culture you guys do analyze deserves more scrutiny. And as it turned out, you did make it past that first 40 minutes. So I thought that was kind of a nice um, imitation of the dynamic of the content that you guys uh, work in. Well, thank you. So uh, Andrew Bonapane is a member of the sport court. Uh, and you had their decisions about uh, what is and what isn't a sport, uh, which were posted on Overthinking It and on their blog, the Sport Court blog. Uh, I think the- I was mostly the bailiff of the Sport Court. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, right, because you're not – do you have a legal education? Oh, not at all. <laughs> hey, fair enough. Nice. I like I in the great tradition of not watching the movie that we're talking about on the podcast. You uh, uh, did not go to law school in order to be a exactly. judge. Exactly. My two friends, Emily and Jake, uh, they took a con law class um, at our alma mater, George Washington University, and uh, that was that. I think supplied the vast majority of their expertise in uh, compiling the decisions. Nice. So a single con law class at George Washington University was the basis of the expertise of all three people in the sport court? Uh, yes. <laughs> all right, good. <laughs> and we had 67% attendance at that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which is a solid D-. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you also can find uh, Andrew's article... Uh, with great power comes a TV pilot analyzing uh, some of the surprising aspects of uh, the pilot of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. On, uh, on overthinking it back in September of 2013. Andrew, it's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for, for providing the inspiration for the top 10 list. And thank you for joining us uh, on the podcast. Thank you all for having me. All right. We'll be right back. Well, there we are, guys. The top 10 moments uh, of the Overthinking It podcast. That, that's, uh, I'm, I'm surprised we had 10. You know, no one is more surprised than me. Than there, there were 10 good things we did over the course of 300 episodes. Well, there were 10 things that we did that were better than the other things. I don't know about good. <laughs> yeah, that is a high bar to clear. I'm not sure we quite managed it. I don't know. Well, what what should we do for the next 300 episodes? Because now that we have a successful franchise, we should start uh, start messing around with it, no doubt. More sex. 
<laughs> needs to be sexier. We need to start talking in sultrier voices. Yeah, more, more nudity on the podcast. Yeah. Pants Wait, off, you pants guys, off. It's happening right now, people. Oh, you man. guys are wearing you guys are wearing pants. Yeah, you don't podcast in track pants. I totally podcast in track pants. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, Big old well, uh, sides too. Yep. It's. Um, I mean, I. I don't know. More. More improvised uh, Greek tragedy. I mean, we could do different genres. You know, it could be like a short form improv game where we do genres, and everyone shouts out film noir because that's the genre they know. It's the genre that they did in the other improv game that they saw. Sorry, I, I have a, I have a I have a bone to pick with improv and film noir, and I'll save it. I'll save it for another time. Uh, I don't think that people put in, film noir in improv shows for the reasons that film noir is worth watching. And I've actually like given this as part of a talk at some point uh, at a theater as a at a concepting workshop. So, but uh, we've already gone too long for me to crawl down that rabbit hole. <laughs> hey guys, I got an idea. We could debate the relative merits of Android versus. Is iOS because no podcast out there. Does that. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Oh, that's great. We could become yeah, a tech right? podcast. Yeah, talk about apps. <laughs> the only app I'm going to talk about in this podcast is spicy buffalo wings versus barbecue buffalo wings. Those are some apps I get. Oh, we should do that. We should review appetizers. Yes, yes. We should become an app podcast. And it's like the, the these tater skins are solid. These are some yeah, solid tater skins. It's Guy Fieri, just mm, tater skins. I have a serious Covered in donkey sauce. I, I have a serious suggestion. Which I, uh, several times listeners have suggested that we incorporate more music into the podcast because every once in a while we will sing little ditties or and we've often referred to the musical talent that we have uh, amongst the people who do this podcast um and typically those things manifest themselves on the site really as solo efforts you know just someone usually myself will just like you know throw together a recording and put it out there um but finding a way to do that live uh, with the group uh, on the podcast uh, you know having more singing more instrumental music Anything of that sort, I'm all for. I think we should look into doing that. Um, I don't know if we'll ever get to the point of doing that actual, like, all all sung, entire musical, overthink it podcast episode. But um, uh, songs should be sung. Songs ought to be sung. That's that's all I got to say. You know, it's an interesting. It's an interesting thing on TFT. Ryan and I, in the current sort of season, the current stretch of TFT, when it stopped being a Gossip Girl podcast or a like a teen soap opera podcast and became an indie pop music podcast. Um, uh, you know, centered around uh, related but distinct research questions having to do with authenticity. Um, we uh, we talked about like a a you know perhaps um, uh, apocryphal but still kind of very compelling idea uh, from American history of of a time when music was a, a sort of community activity and towns had town bands and a member of the family knew like how to play piano and everyone. Sat around the piano and sing to, and sang to uh, entertain themselves uh, in lieu of you know television or radio or, or things like that um, and and uh, music has become a lot more uh, professionalized right and you know we have these sort of means of reproduction so that we don't um, you realize that like if your mom plays piano she's probably not good as good as she's probably not good she's probably not as good as, as someone you can get on a recording uh, and why not just put on the the uh, CD or the you know increasingly the the digitally downloaded copy um, 
So uh, the return of music to a sort of thing that people do together as a social activity, you know, evinced among the overthinking and friends, uh, largely in our relentless pursuit of karaoke excellence, um, is is something that's interesting and that maybe we should we should get back into. And I'll I'll say someone who's been doing it. uh, in a way that's pretty cool is Jimmy Fallon, um, where he's he's uh, he did this like Billy Joel, uh, the Lion Sleeps Tonight thing. Uh, they did a like uh, a live performance of We Can't Stop with Miley Cyrus. Um, there's been like uh, really foregrounding. Not just band performance, but like the host, the guest, the house band kind of getting together to make music. And, and I'm all for that. We should do that. Yeah, huge props to Fallon uh, on what he's doing. That's why I, to- I totally agree with you on that. And we should, we, if we yeah. could get a small slice of that magic that he puts in that show. Covered in donkey sauce! <laughs> Wait, uh, well, all right. If you would like to... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> It's taking this long for Mark to just go, what? What's going on? <laughs> Why am I here? Who are you guys? What are we doing? Wait, wait. He's I'm waking so up. He's hit him with the chloroform and turned back on Terminator. <laughs> All right. Good. We, uh, uh, we're proud to have done 300 episodes. We're very grateful that uh, you've listened to however many you've listened to um, and that uh, some among you, among the audience, have gone back uh, and listened all the way back to number one. And as I say, those early ones aren't all gems. So uh, we, were, we, were, you know, we were not even 3% as good as we are now. Um, so thank you very much for listening to 300 episodes of the Overthinking It podcast. We're excited to keep doing it for you. Uh, if you have anything you want to say to us, you can email the email. No one ever emails at uh, 203. Uh, no, that's not the email. Uh, com, or call the phone number. Uh, no one ever calls or texts 203-285-6401. There was, there was a call to the phone number this week, and I, and I didn't listen to the voicemail. Um, so it probably had something to do with the 300th episode, and I apologize uh, if it was, in fact, you who, who called. But uh, uh, I'd like more calls. Now that, now that I have this soundboard thing figured out for playing audio back into the podcast, we might get better about um, doing the listener feedback with, uh, uh, with the voicemails and whatnot from, uh, from that phone number. So the number that used to be 20EatLog01, uh, but I stopped calling it that because Jordan Stokes pointed out that it was rude and, and might be insensitive if someone took offense, uh, as someone took offense at that. And, and you know me, guys, I don't want to give offense. Um, it's 203-285-6401. We will be back with more Overthinking It podcast next week. Uh, amazing to say, but we will. Until then, you can visit us on the web at overthinkingit.com, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It yeah. probably, probably doesn't, doesn't deserve. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Hey guys, what would it actually take to get Harvey Fierstein on this podcast? Like the actual Harvey Fierstein. An attempt to get Harvey Fierstein to come on the podcast of some form with some manner of effort, which we have <laughs> never yeah, endeavored. That's a good start. I mean, we, we could also, you know, issue the usual bounty of a bag of Milano's on air. We haven't done that yet. 
But why does everyone want to give the Mimbolanos to somebody who isn't the Wu Tang Clan? <laughs> like we we made the offer. Yeah. There, There's the, so as, many other kinds of cookies that we can offer. 